Hey everyone, welcome to the MTG Painful Truths Podcast. This is episode 7. I am your host, Britt Wagner. Joining me, as always, is my good buddy, Cole. Cole, how have you been? I've been good, as always. Super excited for the upcoming weeks. We'll get into that here in a minute. But we right. actually uh, have a very special guest with us today. Oh yeah, looky there. Here he is. Uh, our good buddy, Roger. Roger, how have you been? Uh, I've been good. I don't know if I'm, you know, special or anything, but, you know... I'm in good. Huh? <laughs> I hey, I've seen other uh, known pro magic pros like your tweets and respond. So you're a pro, <laughs> just as much as us. <laughs> so uh, this is gonna be an interesting episode this week. Uh, we're gonna go over the 20k, the pro sport 20k that's gonna be happening in just a few weeks from the time of this recording, and we'll kind of go over kind of the perceived metagame that we're gonna be walking into and kind of uh, our go-to choices. Uh, so, but first let's go ahead, let's talk about what we've been up to. Uh, Cole, we were, we were actually at the venue that's going to be the, at the 20K, uh, pro support event, the Fort Worth Convention Center, but we didn't have our boxing gloves on. We actually had our pom-poms on (laughs) cheering on our good friend, Jacob. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty interesting. So we went to the flesh and blood, what what do they call it? A calling, I think. I don't know what they call it, but it was a big old flesh and blood GP. <clears throat> the calling. Yeah, yeah and yeah. we we were uh, I was asked by a good buddy of mine uh, to be a cheerleader, and then uh, Brent went to go meet his uh, his hero, uh, Mr. Tannen Grace. Right. Yeah, it's just funny. We've uh, the, I w- I worked with Tannen on a prior podcast uh, a few years ago, and then we started the MTG. Uh, the Pioneer cast, which is now the MTG Rants. I've, I've never actually met the guy up until uh, Friday when he I was like, hey, do you need anything? He's like, yeah, I need a ride. I'm at the DFW airport. And I was like, yeah, I'm there. And I, I grabbed him, dropped him off. Uh, and, then I, and then I met him. And then, Cole, you met him, too, at the... Uh, He's a very the, cool guy. He's a very cool guy. It's it's like a, the, the perfect person in a friend group, just like always up bringing up everyone, a very jolly person. Very fun. I, <laughs> the opposite of Cole, basically. <laughs> well, I mean, he's a Braves fan, so how cool is he? I, I mean, <laughs> he's I, mean I can't speak. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a Blue Jays fan, so I really Blue can't Jays. speak. Okay. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, but yeah, we saw Jacob. I, I felt I felt like I was like the what he didn't need. I think it was two and zero. I walk into the room and he just loses three straight. I think it's exactly what happened. So I was uh, since I was in that room, Jacob did not win. But a good friend of mine from my old days at, at Wichita did make top four. Alec Myers, uh, he chatted with me and Cole just in the middle of us just goofing around playing uh, magic at that event. He said hi and chatted for a bit and then i just look up later on sunday i'm like i'm gonna poke my head in the stream and he's on camera in the top four i thought that was freaking insane he did that he did lose that match um and flush but's just not a game where i could just watch it and know what's going on it's just rather confusing to me still so well i mean he lost because you turned the stream on to watch him i you know what you might be onto something Uh, yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's fair. I, that's exactly what happened. Uh, right, and <laughs> let's right-click, kick from... Sur- yeah, no. 
All right. Um, but yeah, let's go ahead and go right into the 20K. Uh, Roger, since you're a special guest, I'm going to uh, pass the ball to you. Uh, what are your, what are, where are you leaning uh, for that event as far as uh, the decks? I know you're kind of a pretty fair guy when it comes to Magic, but yeah, where are you heading? Um, well, so in the area, in the Fort Worth area, I'm uh, kind of known for quite a few different decks, but like, Enchantress is my jam. Like, since it came out in Horizons 2, I've been on it the entire time. Um, I playtested a lot with it, uh, leading up to the Hunter Burton, which I played there, and I missed day two. I lost my winning in for day two. And I've just been on it, and, you know, just keep innovating, trying new things out with Enchantress, and, yeah, I know it's not a, a... a top deck or anything like that, but I've never been one to play the best deck, and I don't know. It's just something I enjoy, and I want to go there to have fun. Dude, I totally get. It. I mean, I play Amulet Titan, so dude, I get it. Like, I'm not there to play the best <laughs> deck, uh, and uh, I, I want to play the deck I'm comfortable with and happy with. Totally, I totally respect that. Um, so with Enchantress, can you kind of tell us about the deck a little bit? Uh, I'm, I'm someone who just knows it's a Blood Moon and other Enchantress, Enchantments deck. Uh, yeah, t- yeah, what's, what's it about? Like, how does it, how does it actually close the game? I guess that's my big question. Okay, so, um, I'm not one to hide information. <laughs> like, I, I'll post my entire list, uh, on the internet and whatnot, and I'll tell people I'm playing this, I don't care, uh, because I just don't believe that gives you any kind of um disadvantage most of the time it's just it is what it is if i know if i can outplay you i'm gonna outplay you um the draw is obviously variance but so enchantress you got it right it, it's a blood moon deck and a lot of enchantments but it's a prison deck at heart uh it draws more cards than i want to say any other deck in modern when its engine is going uh, I can draw through my deck in one to three turns. Um, just playing enchantress, enchantments out uh, and everything. Like, Enchantress Presence and uh, Sithis to Harvest Hand. Um, they let you, anytime you cast an enchantment, you draw a card. So your, your primary focus early game is to play cards like um, On Thin Ice, um, Sterling Grove, Utopia Sprawl, stuff like that, um, or even um, Greater Oromancy, to basically set up, like, protecting my enchantments, slowing down what they're doing, ramping my mana, and then you just get down, like, a Sithis or an Enchantress Presence, and then then you can kind of start going. You start casting your enchantments, they start drawing your cards. Do you want to get down um, a Sanctum Weaver, which is... You know, it just taps for a lot of mana. It taps for one mana of any color for each enchantment in play. Um, so that you really just kind of go off and cast everything. Get down a solitary confinement. So then basically you set up the prison, the lock. And uh, then you can get like a Sigil of the Empty Throne, which is a one of. Or one of the three Destiny Spinners, which that's how you end it. Um, gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, the little known fact that a lot of people don't know about is... So I... I'm in a lot of like enchantment Facebook groups and discords and a lot of people are new to the deck. They don't, they're like, I don't want to pay X amount of money for a greater Ormancy because the card went from not very expensive to $90. 
overnight. I think it's gone down since then. Uh, but Greater Oromancy, um, yeah, it has the same text as Sterling Grove, but it has like what I call the hidden text that no one ever reads. It's enchanted creatures you control have Shroud. So when you animate your lands with Destiny Spinner, if they're enchanted with Ornithonite or Utopia Sprawl or Abundant Growth, they have Shroud, Trample, and Haste. So now they can't even Fatal Push it. I would have totally missed that. Wow. Okay. That's that's why you know it's it's a one of because you know obviously the Sterling Grove is a little bit better because it does tutor. Um, you can sack it to go put an enchantment on top of your deck to if you have multiples. But yeah, it's a. I get a lot of people with that one, not because it's in Japanese. I show them the English. <laughs> Brent, Brent has something against it. All my, like my entire uh, Enchantress deck, all seventy-five cards, even the cards in reserve, are all in Japanese. So I always get you know made fun of for that. No, that's awesome. Um, okay, cool. Uh, so is there any, uh, do you run like a pretty stock list or do you kind of tune something, uh, for like a targeted metagame or, or how, how's your kind of deck building process with it? Okay. So I'm a firm believer of the 20 land version. <laughs> um, some, it sounds so minute, but like some people are like, Oh, 21 is where you want to be at. And I've seen some lists with like 22 and I'm like, Nope. I have Utopia Sprawls, I am fine, and Sanctum Weaver. So I just play the, the normal the normal mana base of things like 5 Snow uh, Forest, 2 Snow Plains, 4 Windswept Teeth, 2 Wood of Foothills, 3 Prismatic Vistas, 2 Temple Gardens, a Stomping Ground, and a Hall of Hilias Generosity. Um, that's the that's the pretty stock mana. Um, the creatures is always usually, I, I play the 11 creatures, 4 Sithis, 4 Sanctum Weaver, 3 Destiny Spinner. That's kind of stock now. It used to be people would say that you only need one Destiny Spinner and they'd only play one. I'm like, yeah, that's that's not valuable. <laughs> you know, like my, my win condition is uh, going to die. He's a 2-3. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I play the Mana, Mana Bloom version. Uh, Mana Bloom is... It has a lot of text, but the only relevant thing is it's a one-mana enchantment, one X enchantment, and if it has no charge counters on it, it goes back to your hand at the beginning of your upkeep. The only reason you, the only reason you play is because when you get a enchantress presence out, it just draws you a card every turn, an extra card, or with solitary confinement, it's the hard lock. Like, I'm not going to, it just keeps coming back, I keep drawing cards to discard solitary confinement. Um, it's, that's become kind of stock now. I see some people like not wanting to play it because it is a do nothing enchantment it does nothing if you don't have the lock um i'm playing a seal away that is my kind of spiciness to the main deck i would say i'm looking through my deck right now yeah it's okay. like seal seal away is uh you know a flash enchantment that exiles a tapped creature so Ragavon, early ragavons can be an issue most of the time they're not because they're not hitting anything relevant that they're going to want to cast against you. Um, but like Kroxas and stuff like that, or if they want to attack me with the Stranglerout Geist Cole, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, he's got one job, which is to turn sideways. I don't know what you want me to do. <laughs> but like most of the time, the, the spice comes from the sideboard because if, um, the joke used to be that you didn't play white in modern except for the sideboard cards because 
White has the most powerful sideboard cards, you know, Stony Silence, Rest in Peace, Leyline of Sanctity, all the different white sideboard cards throughout the history. Um, I've been testing out Paladin class um, as a two of in my board because like against the Force of Vigors and the Force of Negations, it requires them to hold up mana um, to be able to do it so they can't just tap out. Um, I've also been testing out Curse of Silence from the new set. I'm going to say it's from the new Innistrad. Um, that's the one white... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's from, it's from New Innistrad. Bro. Yeah, the one mana curse that uh, I get to name a card, and whenever my opponent casts that card, they have to pay two additional mana. It's for Living End, you know, the Crash K deck, the Rhino deck, stuff like that. You just name Living End or Crashing Footfalls. So when they cascade into it, they have to pay two mana. Also, whenever they, if it becomes dead later and they cast it and they have mana to pay for it, you can just set, the curse says you can sack it to draw a card, which is kind of good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. Um, I play the suppression field on my board because a lot of people get upset about not being able to sack the fetch lands. Yeah, um, that seems about right. Yeah, prismatic endings in the board. Those are not stock. I've been trying them out. I've been kind of impressed with them just because it is an answer to a lot of the little threats that run around. Um, the one card I've been tr forcing myself to test because I see a lot of people playing it, I just have never been impressed with the card, is Heroic Intervention. Um, like, if Blue White, since Blue White's getting big, they run Fracturing Gust in their board. So when they Fracturing Gust you, you're just like, Heroic Intervention. And now all my stuff has indestructible and hexproof, so it doesn't die. But the only issue with that is when Blue White does it, they usually have a three Teferi on play. Yeah, I was gonna say three Teferi seems like it kind of just bones that. Yeah, that's one like, that's everyone's argument is like, I might just like I'm not running my Pride and Joy, which is my ghostly prison in my board right now. I don't know why. Like I just like going turn two ghostly prison go against like. A dash Ragavon, they're like, or a Darcy, <laughs> because Darcy has to attack into it. Um, so I play choke. I have an Emrakul on my board. Um, the fifteen mana Emrakul, Aeon's Torn, uh, because Mill is basically unwinnable. <laughs> like, so I mean, that's that's kind of my. Well, also, don't you just get the points for you? You can just cast that thing. Yeah, I've cast it on turn four before. Hmm. Yeah, just Sanctum Weaver is a hell of a magic card. <laughs> yeah, I just make 15 mana, or roughly 15 mana, tap my lands, and then just, like, here you go. Wasn't that, like, the initial win condition, or one of the potential win conditions in the early builds of this deck? Yeah, it was, um, so the early builds were, like, all over the place. Like, they didn't play Blood Moon. They were just green-white. They played no Destiny Spinners, except for in the sideboard. They, they, they didn't realize the activate, make my creature, my land into a big giant creature was a win condition. They just wanted it for the, can't, my enchantments and creatures can't be countered ability. <laughs> sure. Um... And so their win conditions were a sigil of the empty throne, or Emrakul, or Helix Pinnacle. Oh, just to just do it every turn, just dump mana into it. Yeah, okay. You guys know what Helix Pinnacle does? 
Uh, I'm sure Brent Let's... does not. No, no, I don't. But <laughs> I may, I probably, our listeners may not either. So yeah, can you go over what the card is? Yeah, it's one green mana enchantment. It, it itself has Shroud. And you um, can pay X mana to put X charge counters on it. Like some kind of count, counter on it. You put X counters on it. Tower and whenever you, counters. Tower, yeah, uh-huh. tower counters. That's right, tower. Um, and during your upkeep, if you have 100 or more of them, you win the game. <laughs> but I mean, like, I watched a guy on stream win with it against, I think it was like Blue Eye Control when he was about to time out. He was able to make enough of them before he died. That's hilarious. And you, you could stop on your upkeep, trigger on the stack, then just shove a shitload of counters. That's exactly how he did it, too. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Not to say it's, yeah, that's, uh, that's, yeah, you're right. I've never seen this card before. It's, it's very cool. Yeah, I've seen more people going to it since blue, again, blue white becoming really popular. Um, well, if they're not going to kill you <laughs> fast, you know, because their win conditions, I, phew, I, don't, I can't remember what they win between blue white solitude and five minute to fairy, maybe Jace. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's their win conditions. So, um, also, I forgot a little unknown way you can win with the deck is decking your opponent. Um, Hall of Heliod's generosity keeps putting the enchantments back on top. And so you can just have the solitary confinement lockout where you can't be taking damage or anything and you can just every turn end of every turn or whatnot just put a card on top of your library, cast an enchantment, draw a couple cards, and then just have enough to discard and keep putting stuff on top. <laughs> oh, okay. I was about to say, you can't cast it, but if you have the hard lock already in place, you can just clean up and put a card in your graveyard that way. Yeah, because, you know, you probably have a couple of enchantresses in play, and the enchantresses are not may draw. They are, you have to draw. Right, right. They, they're they not a may. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. There's, like, little other things that, you know, I might go, like, it's, I'm pretty set on my main deck. The only differences I might go as I run two Blood Moons right now, I might go back up to the third. Um, but like sideboard spots is like really where it's at. Like out of time, uh, sphere of safety, gut shot is a big thing. Um, you know, stuff like that. Okay, okay. cool. So as as you walk into the room with with this deck, what uh, what are you trying to dodge, and what are you trying? What would you prefer to play against uh, when you sit down? Okay, so play against um, elementals, hundred percent. That is like basically a buy. Um, they you just go turn two blood moon against them, and they can't cast their spells, and they that can't. Means- yeah, they can't really interact with what you're doing until sideboard, and then their sideboard is, I think, like three to four force of vigors and that's not even that bad um because when you get sterling grove in play it kind of mitigates that down to oh you can destroy this one thing um decks i like element tools is one i want to play against um it might sound weird but like i don't want to play against it because i'm always like having an anxiety attack is tron but i've only lost to it once time out of like nine online <laughs> um again blood moon and i have to have a obviously like a weaver and a destiny spinner and and turn to you know 
Blood Moon, which is asking a lot, but sideboard, you know, I get Stony Silence, uh, Suppression Field, stuff like that, you know, just to help it out. Um, other decks I want to play against, Goblins, if that's a real thing. I feel like Dredge has got to be, I haven't played against it a lot, but I haven't lost to it. And this is like one of those decks, like if they get the, the nuts, then obviously it's going to be hard. Affinity isn't that bad. Um, Grixis Death Shadow is not bad. I Kiki Cord isn't bad. Like I'm just going through <laughs> MTG Gold Official against. Them. I haven't had a hard time against the Yawgmoth at all. Um, sure. they get <laughs> targeted attack. They Cyborg gets a lot riskier. That's another heroic intervention thing. Is Crime and Punishment's real rough for me. Um, I'll steal your enchantment. Don't don't tempt me. Yeah, I mean you will. Um, the decks I don't want to play against. Uh, Mill. Um, that is just terrible. Um, Merktide is kind of iffy. Like, obviously, if they have it all, they have it all. They're not doing much. The Cascade decks, they're rough. You know, Living End and Crashing Footfalls. Just because they have force negation and other ways of interacting with you. So it's it's you know, brazen borrower and stuff like that. You're just like man, they can just tempo you out. Um control can go either way. It really can. Um that's those are kind of the big ones, like prowess isn't really seen anymore and I haven't had a problem with prowess again. I was just dropping down turn two, ghostly prison and like, good luck. Pay two mana. Oh, you spend it all to cast Metamorphos a million times. Fair enough. You're not. You're not attacking me then. Right. Oh, humans. If humans shows up, I want to play against humans. <laughs> that poor humans player. <laughs> there will be one. At least one. But I mean, it's Texas, and I'm expecting there to be a lot of um, crashing footfalls. Tron and burn. Well, it, that's good old Texas meta is just Tron and burn. Yeah, burn is burn is weird. Like, cause you know I have Leyline of Sanctity. I've you know solitary confinement. Um, it is real rough. <laughs> still, like me, I have some do nothing enchantments in my deck that don't do anything. Again, oh, I mean, Eidolon of the Great Revel is really rough against me. You know, like, oh, I'm going to cast this Utopia Spell, take two. You know. You don't like partying with the party Eidolon? No, no, that is, is rough. Um, <laughs> but Skullcrack, they can Skullcrack themselves, and then now it turns off my Solitary Confinement. Because Solitary Confinement says prevent all damage that would be dealt. Well, Skullcrack says damage can't be prevented this turn. So they can just Skullcrack themselves, damage can't be prevented this turn, and attack me. Oh, that's actually pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, same with Bone Crusher Giant. Out of the Detemer uh, Crushing Footfalls. They can just, you know, cast a Bone Crusher Giant, the stomp part. So, I'll, I'll be honest, though. I feel like that specific play is pretty high level for a lot of people. Because, like, you're, you're going to run into... I mean, obviously we're talking about it, but you're going to run into people that, like, are... You know, they're, they're going up there, like, oh, maybe I can win this, and maybe they're new to modern, so, like... Because, like, honestly, I'll be real, like, I probably wouldn't notice that until, like, I, 
like thoroughly sat down and read all my cards. Yeah, like um, at the Hunter Burton, I played against a Crashing Footfalls player, and I went like you know the normal start turn one Utopia Ball, turn two um, Sterling Grove, turn three Sithis Sanctum Weaver, and then you know they got the Footfalls, and I just cast Solitary Confinement, and they looked at you know the board and like I can't beat this, and they just scooped. I'm not telling them. No, 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 no. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I guess you can't. <laughs> you know, the rest of your the rest of your deck must be ham sandwiches. I don't know. Yeah, like I I feel that because uh, there was also um, when I played that black red deck or whenever that I discarded a gristle brand and my opponent just didn't know what was going on. Yeah, that was at the uh, 10k. Yeah. Yeah, Angoria's Vengeance. Yeah, I was surprised that you got away with it. Too, but yeah, I was like, oh well, this is it. He's gonna he gets the gimmick and it's over. He's gonna hold up force like his life depends on it, and he boarded out forces. So you know what, we take those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> man, send those opponents to me. Yeah, no, I I was definitely okay with that. I was like, hey man, thank you. Uh, let's move on from here. Right. Side that match flip into the next game. All right, cool. Well. Uh, Cole, I know you're you're kind of a coin toss to be playing in that event, but uh, if we w are able to twist your arm and make you play Magic, uh, would you be looking at Yawgmoth, or you have something else cooked? Uh, always the the good brother Yawgmoth. Uh, I at the 1K, it very much showed me how well it can uh, go against uh, the format right now, um, in the sense of Grist and all that. I was just very, very impressed with how well it did there. Um, I definitely think that three grist is the way. We we talked about it before. Right. Um, I feel like the the community is kind of at that point as well, too. Yeah, I mean, like it seems like most of the decks are pretty much high end on three grist in the deck. Which I like. Like I said, I definitely agree. There were a lot of times in that event that I was like, wow, having the third grist would just be like literally the most critical thing on the planet and but to that extent though there was a time that like the second whatever it's called uh innkeeper was critical right but yeah i'd probably go back um i think i would want to play uh oh, what is that card called culling ritual on the board over uh sure. yeah I, I think culling ritual is just just a tiny bit better um, in the format for then uh, Crime and Punishment, even though I think Crime and Punishment is still a, a good card. Right. It, it notably doesn't take down uh, Urza's Saga, but it does hit basically everything else, and it costs you basically get that all that mana back too, which is pretty nice. Yeah, I mean, and also just like you'll you'll have times where you have your idiots out and they don't have counters on them, and then you just get to uh get them all back and you made mana and then you go off from there. Right. And your undying creatures come back stronger and yeah. I mean, usually though playing Yawgmoth, you kind like the only undying creature I ever really want coming back is strangle root geist. Um, like having a counter on it. Cause for the most part, young wolf is just infinite chump blocker. Right. Um, especially like in the format with one, one toughness is pretty critical. Uh, it eats most of that. 
Like, I've had players just never attack me with Ragavan. Because it's, yeah. it's, it's just a really bad trade. You're like, oh yeah, I don't want to really throw my Raggles the Chuckle Monkey into 1-1 one, one that just comes back. <laughs> and, and then punishes me for throwing my Raggles the Chuckle Monkey into it. So, you've got a lot of times where like people just kind of just sit on the back and they're like, yeah, I guess just never attacking you. Yeah. yeah. I mean, then Young Wolf did his job. Oh yeah, that's what he is. He's just he puts the fear of God into people. That's pretty much what his job is. Yeah. So I've I've just been looking at you know because I'm not you know a big Yawgmoth player you know but like the the recent list man they cut the innkeeper like the last four or five decks I just looked on here on Goldfish they none of them are running them anymore. Uh, I'll probably play innkeeper till I die. <laughs> like he's he's. He's been the he's been the truth for me, uh, and a lot of them also. We talked about it maybe a little bit on here um, about Zulaport Cutthroat versus Blood Artist, and I, to me they just still feel like the same card. Like I understand Blood Artist is your opponent's creatures die, so you'll get into you know a lot of trades with your opponent where you're throwing you know you're putting counters on their stuff, killing it, and that two point swing could be critical. But for the most part, like Zulaport Cutthroat, he's just been the bestest buddy. So like. I'm pretty indifferent to either of them. If I had a Zulaport Cutthroat or a Blard Artist in my collection, I could I could easily be persuaded to play it. I mean, Zulaport Cutthroat doesn't target, so when people yeah, that's been the other thing. Um, is like just the not targeting to me has been something that I kind of look at and I'm like, yeah, this thing just doesn't literally target. I I would like I very much like my stuff to to get through because. Uh, Though my Gross Messengers are Japanese, uh, just like Roger's whole deck, um, they do target, and that is unfor and that is unfortunate. That's a, that's a whole other uh, click on Moto. Well, it's, yeah, I mean the big thing is like a lot of people, if they know they'll bring in Leyline if they're playing it, and then it just really stops me from doing like half the things I want to do. Yeah, that's usually how I get it. With Enchantress, because the I run against people who play um, Blood Artist instead of Zulaport, and I'm like, eh, good luck. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I don't know. I like Zulaport. Also, I have the fancy Secret Lair once. So I'm like, yeah, why not? Well, I like Zulaport more, too. Like, just because it's corner case, like, yeah, they might not happen, but it could happen, and it could happen for playing for top eight, and you don't want that option. Yeah, I'm more. Yeah, I agree. I'm more so like I would rather just not be there at all. Yeah. Um, how's uh? Do you play? Uh, I should probably ask if you even play the card. Do you play a uh, Hapatra? Uh, she is literally the best card in the whole deck. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people who don't play this. I mean, this guy Oki uh, Dio must be you because <laughs> they like all your stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, like Hapatra. Very, very critical for, like, 90% of the deck. Because, um, like, they're, they're, she is basically a combo piece. Uh, she's another Undying creature for the most part. Um, so she does so much for the, uh, for the deck. Like, she'll let you... She combos off with Undying creatures with her. And it's, like... And break a contest to it is how I've beaten amulets so many times, because you'll get to a point where you just 
you're netting a snake every time you um, you sack a creature and put a minus counter on something. So then you get to a point where you're just infinitely killing uh, your, opponent's your opponent's creatures. So the combo is it? Do you put the negative one negative one counter like on your young wolf? Okay, so <clears throat> the board is Yogmoth, Gross Messenger, Hepatra. Well, we won't do Messenger because that that technically one's on its own. So it's um, Yogmoth, Young Wolf, Hepatra. So you'll sack the Young Wolf, put a minus one minus one counter on one of your opponent's stupid creatures. Uh, you make a snake with Death Touch. You will then put a minus one minus one counter, or you'll sack the snake that you made. Uh, to put a minus one minus one counter on one of your uh, your young wolf, so you draw a card. You draw a card every time you do this, obviously. And you'll make another snake. You'll sack the young wolf to kill to put a minus one minus one counter on something else. And you net another snake, and you, you will keep netting at least one snake. Um, you'll be stuck at one snake basically the whole game. But that one, you'll have one additional snake that you'll just keep cycling through. That will draw your deck essentially. It's it's it is way easier to talk about it if it's in front. Like if I had like if you were here, I could be like, all right, this is what happens. Um, I get I get what you're saying. I'm looking at the cards, so yeah, it it's it's very hard. Also, we're an audio medium on a podcast, going over this a very strange interaction. Um, there's a time too where you're just like, all right, your primeval science is a two-two. You may proceed to attacks or what, whatever, because you're like, you're maybe your life total is just a, a very low, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it def, it definitely, it comes up more than more than people think, because like, it, it can just be super critical, um, like stuff that happens. Um, I mean, Hepatra also just has the if she, like punches you in the face uh you'll take more damage which is pretty funny yeah it's been moniz he was the most recent 5-0 uh strangely it's like out of the list i was looking at he he does respect hepatra like you but a lot of people seem like they are not respecting as much but i've seen i've certainly seen the power of hepatra you just kind of can can just control a board state even more so than normal, and even just like make a few snake tokens. Man, this this Moniz person, they must be like friends <laughs> with you because they play nothing but amulet. Yes, yeah, the, he's a known. He's on the Titan Talk podcast, so he's one of the three guys there. So he is, a, he's an amulet player first, really. So Colt, I had him first. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, but yeah, Moniz, he he's someone who uh, I I really uh, look up to a lot like when he has a deck list i really do um respect it and that was actually my template hbmo deck list was his uh with maybe like one change i think he had a kozilek in the board and i said no fuck mill we're uh, we're not playing that game i want a 15th sideboard card a real one but typically i do like using his as a template of where to go um but yeah moni's yeah good guy he was also someone on on Moto. He said, "I will uh, give you a sideboard guide if you show proof that you donate to like a charity." And I thought that was a very good way to, to kind of do a do donation guide. And I said, "Yes, I donated money to Planned Parenthood or wherever." And he was like, "All right, here's the sideboard guide." Basically, that was really cool of him. 
kind of force people to donation. I thought it was pretty cool, though. Yeah, especially if you like are wanting a deck list or something. It's it it yeah, I do too. And it's like I know cyborg guides are typically overrated, but sometimes it's just nice. Like, hey, I want to look at um, what this deck does in this matchup. Like, it just kind of get an idea of like what the game is about, you know? Because there are plenty of times where there you make a sideboard decision and it's. Or you see it like you make a decision, you see the pro player do something else, and you kind of like reevaluate where you thought the game was supposed to go, or just like have a second opinion at the very least. So I do like I still like sideboard guides. So uh, how about you? What are you gonna play? Uh, Brent, so... by the way, t- I'm sorry, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, uh, I probably, let's be real, I'm probably going to run back Titan. The last he's going to play, play Twiddledle on live. I, I, I'm, you know, we talked about this last time, Cole. I'm just not very brave. Um, I would love... If he plays Twiddle, you have to play Cole. Oh, yeah, if he registers Twiddle, I'll, I'll play. <laughs> I, I feel like I, I like the matchup, so let's let's go. Uh, the other deck, actually, I've been playing more so recently, and it's funny, I was kind of building it right at the end of the 1K. I was like, oh, this is where I want to go, just kind of a, I guess my gut told me, was Esper Reanimator. Uh, that was kind of initially championed by Spike, and then uh, Spider has been playing it. He did, he had the most recent results. I don't have decks in front of me, but he did uh, get top four at a challenge, I want to say. And it, there's just been kind of a lot of innovation, a lot of uh, a lot of experimentation with that deck too. I just looked at the three uh, three Esper lists from the five O, which you know it's just I just I, I more so look at it just to see where where it's trending. It, and I know it's not the best way to get data, but it you know it, it's it's what I got. Um, and, and yeah, this, this is where we're at, guys. Um, I'm gonna pull them up again. I actually closed it because I was looking at Yogmoth decks. Uh, the first one actually had a old favorite of mine, uh, Seder Wayfinder, just to enable uh, cards. Just a one or just a two of and Eternal Witness, so it's kind of like, kind of crazy. Ephemerate and there's Grist in there too. This is like, there's a lot going on here. Um, so this version of it, um, the Abzin version, its main plane is Reanimator, but it also has just a backup plan of just being good cards as well like eternal witness getting back you know like if they countered your persist you can like eternal witness get it back uh ephemerate just keep playing this game with it right Right. yeah that's probably i i feel like that's uh i don't know if that will stick around but that that's a pretty interesting version of the deck um and and then there's uh more the more recently, what Spike was playing was kind of like going back to the more stock black-white builds, but with blue um, cantrips, no counter magic, or bl- blue uh, mending and Teferi, and just running kind of more of the black-white style uh, deck, and also running more uh, of the pitch, elementals, grief, and solitude as well, as well as the uh, Archon Fulity. That's kind of interesting, but it was it's... I, I'm still like a little mixed on it, but that may be the the tr- the trending uh, move with the deck. But those are yeah, those were what I've been playing recently. 
Um, and I'm back to on call, so I'm not going to be playing locally for for a little bit of time. So I have time to just like build, brew, and and kind of consider uh, what I'm going to do. Yeah, it's basically just like like I was saying, just go. Yeah, it's a twenty k. You probably should play the thing that you think you have the best chance with. Me, I'm like, man, I'm gonna play what I'm gonna have fun with because when I have fun, I usually do very well. That's yeah, that's you know, it's got to be like you know, I'm the pilot. It's not, I'm not just like someone who's very well versed with every deck. I'm I'm well versed with this certain caliber of deck and Titan. You know, I would say is actually trending up in the past few weeks. At uh, which is, right. <laughs> yeah. More recently, it's been a uh, punt that's been. I think I said this uh, last time. He's been crushing it on the uh, on the Moto leaderboard with Karn Amulet, and he's. And that's basically what I ran at the 1K, and I do feel like I'm just gonna, you know, I, I will need to buy new sleeves. But other than that, I'll just run back almost the exact same deck. I I do think it's pretty decent. Last minute decisions never pan out correctly. So that's, you know, like I go back and forth on switching decks all the time. You know, I'm like, oh man, I'm going to play Esper Reanimator. I'm going to go back to my Niv-Mizzet, you know, days. And I'm like, hey, you know, I haven't played Niv in like two and a half months. Probably shouldn't just pick it up cold right before a, a 20K. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Nivs. I feel like Nivs hasn't been like, hasn't climbed to the top of like, the leaderboard, and certainly has been well respected uh, in a while too. Which you know could be a pro. Where it's like, oh, people are not planning for it, so why not play five color value dot deck? Yeah, I just I just feel like right now, um, Blood Moon is the thing to be playing. <laughs> That's yeah. just how I feel. Because even if you look at the blue-white control list, that, you know, blue-white controls on the rise, they have six basic lands in their entire deck. So 19 non-basic lands. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah, they run a lot less basics than they have in the past because they used to be pretty high on just random uh, basic lands in their decks. They're not even running Field of Ruin anymore. Yeah, they don't respect Tron. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> No one does. <laughs> I even think Amulet is even... Uh, Amulet has been like a four of for us for some time. I think we're at the point where we might even be... That's a trimmable card, the fourth forest, as to play another utility land or something. So, yeah, we're starting to not respect Blood Moon. <laughs> so we're ready to get blindsided by it. I've gotten so many Amulet players with when they cast their pack in like Blood Moon. And they didn't have basic forest out. I'm like, got them. <laughs> shame. Just shame. I did it to this person in a league. I did it to him game one. They cast Pact. Then they went and got um, the Dryad of Elysian Grove. They cast the Dryad. Well, I'm going to cast my Blood Moon. Later's Welcome to Magic. <laughs> you know? And they lost. And guess what happened game two? They did the exact same thing. No basic forest. I'm going to run it back. <laughs> Guess what? It it happened again. I'm like, man, this this person. Uh, I'll take three. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll take three hundred, or was it? I'll uh, take three wins for three hundred, Alex. Yeah, that was it. Was annoying when I played. Uh, when we played at the team event at Evo uh, so long ago, 
now that was pre-MH2 where I had Dryad, Azusa, Valica, and Bouncelin. I packed it for Dryad. I was like, all right, well, I have two bolts with Valica against the Humans player. And he just found his probably one of Magus of the Moon. And, yeah, I was like, well, I'm dead. And I, I, and I <laughs> well, had... Well, that was fun. And I had the win, like, on the, my next turn. He, I think, and I'm pretty sure he top deck it, so that, that kind of hurt. They always um, have the win the next turn. And, yeah, yeah, I know. And that was, I think that was the round where our good good buddy Donovan, he, he won it for us, but we let him down, Cole. Oh, yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, yeah so... Anyway, so, uh, but yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Is, is Amulet Titan, just looking at the most recent punt list and and just very, uh, and, and just rolling with it. He's been crushing it recently. I think even, like, uh, Fran and Moniz are kind of, they they're, they think that's the best way to build Amulet is with uh, Karn the Great Creator, too. You also, you also get a few more threats. Yeah, and it, you add more threats. Eventually, you could just, like, play Karn, and that is just pretty strong. And like you said earlier, the Chalice of the Void is just a... Uh, this might have been off-cast, but Chalice of the Void is just a reasonable card in the sideboard, too. Just like, alright, plop it down on zero, and now that's a decent hate piece. Yeah, it turns off your packs. Yeah, but the trade-off of their game plan is casting Rhinos or casting Living In. It's it's probably a reasonable trade anyway, but yeah, you're right. Um, it's but it still is a, a pretty decent, um, and you could even just do it on one, like, like you also said precast was like you know you're playing its unholy heat dot deck uh, Darcy Darcy pile, you could just turn off their creatures and their their best removal spell. Yeah, so, I mean it up. it's so um, situational, but yeah, I mean I've seen Enchantress list that run Chalice of the Void in their board. I mean, I like when people cast Chalice of the Void on one against me, and then I have a Destiny Spinner out, and I just keep casting my one-mana spell since they can't be countered. <laughs> a lot of people don't understand that interaction online. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> well, Re- reading the cards explains the cards. <laughs> <laughs> Who has time for that nowadays? <laughs> that's, that's funny. So, um, I don't know if you guys noticed that, uh, old Doomwake made Rhinos a 80-card monstrosity with Yorion. I think yeah. it's phenomenal. Yeah, uh, it, as of today, um, the 19th of October, uh, he is 17-3 and three with it, including two trophies. I'm like, guys, we need to stop him. <laughs> I mean, this one person in the on Twitter just wrote "Modern Horizons" the deck. It <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. I mean, it's a lot of Modern Horizons cards in here. Oh yeah, yeah. It actually, actually, don't think it's too bad. You have a high density of just like Cascade cards. I think it's twelve total. It's just oh like, like... wow, the, his new. List. I'm looking at it. Plays three Nahiri the Harbinger and one Emrakul. Oh my god. <laughs> I mean, like it plays the four Fury, four Solitudes, one Emrakul, um, four Rhinos. I was like, 
are there rhinos in here? They're mixed in with the land. Um, poor rhino. <laughs> you know, and it plays Ardent Plea, Violent Outburst, and Charlotte's Agent. <laughs> and it plays Omneth, for Omneth. You know, it has, has, actually has a higher percentage of uh, of Cascade cards, technically, because 8 sixtieths is less than 12 eightieths. So it actually, you actually ha- have a little bit more. Brent, what I have to say to that is math is for blockers. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, Brent, loser. <laughs> Nerd. I like math, guys. <laughs> I like math. No, I'm just that good with math. I do I do like uh, the sideboard. It's just like, one thing I hate about Yorian decks is where you, you know you have so many extra cards, so sideboard cards, they have to be... It's harder to find them, but you just you just play three and four ofs of everything of that you care about. It's just force of vigors, endurances, charmals, and disputes. Those like just three and four of copies of that with a you know with the best bird serpent there is, Yorian Sky Nomad. A noodle. Yeah. Did you say the best companion? Bird serpent. Oh, okay. Bird serpent. Okay. I was like, is there any other? I mean, yeah, Luris. No, 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 no. I, mean, I, didn't, I, didn't mean, I didn't mean companion. I meant. No, no. Yeah. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean. <laughs> I think he might be the only one. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Mutavolt's pretty good, too. I like Mutavolt. Oh, Bird Serpent. Yeah. Faceless Haven. Faceless Haven's also yeah. a Bird Serpent. Yeah. <laughs> Yurion is the only bird serpent. I guess I did just look that up. Okay. Well, well, you know what? Like, we would get questions from the audience. Like, wh- how, where, where are the other bird serpents? Yeah, it's like, where did you get your information? Right. Yeah, there's so many changelings, though. Gosh, we're so, Yeah. Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, yeah, every change. Oh, yeah, Unsettled Mariner. Best <sighs> bird serpent. I cannot stand the Mariner when you played freaking Spirits all those times. I did love Spirits. You know, we did talk about, Cole, this was us talking. This is not on the cast. We were talking about, like, a dickhead Hall of Fame, which would basically just be every Spirit in the Spirits deck, a few humans. Uh, he might be the, the trophy, like, the, the champion of the dickheads on Civil Mariner. Oh, yeah, he's he is very much up there. Right. Uh, I, think, I think Mausoleum Water... Has to be up there. Oh, he's up there too. Don't worry. Oh yeah. Oh, he's there. Yeah. We got him. <laughs> yeah. We we were also talking about the criteria of what is a dickhead. Like, uh, because I think that's a, I think it is important. Like, I don't think uh, uh, the Thalia is a very good dickhead too. Uh, it's Skyclave apparition. A lot of white cards actually. Funny enough. Well, that should be their niche. Like. That's yeah. what I'm kind of getting tired of, is, like, once he not just buckling down and, like, white is the taxing color. We're going to go hard in the paint with taxing with white. No one's going to, like, because apparently they came out and said that uh, white isn't going to get any card draws. It's going to be once per turn. Like, they're, they're restructuring the color pie. And I'm like, well, then go hard with it. Make where white has creatures that say no one can draw more than one card a turn. Like, do stuff like that. You know, make enchantments. I don't know, like, your opponents can't draw more than one card. Just your opponents. Because right. then, then I'll play an Enchantress. 
Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let's talk about making your deck better. That's that's what that's our priority here. Hundred <laughs> percent. Isn't that the goal? And at the end of end of end of it all, basically, is how do I make my own deck better? Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm looking at Bant Spirits, and there's a few people in here, but it's just basically Doctor Queller. <laughs> oh yeah, I love Doctor Queller. He's been he was when Blue White Spirits was an actual deck in the format. He was a he was a big person. I followed their deck list by heart. Uh, that was pre MH two. Yes. Like that's a lot of decks. Like my my pride and joy, Jund, old Boomer Jund, now is gone. Well, now you're uh, <laughs> Delirium. No, I don't even play the deck anymore because I'm not you know selling my soul to the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know, like, I don't think the card's broken by any means, but it's $400 to have a play set of them, and I'm like, nah, I'm good, man. I mean, I think that's fair, though, because, like, Raggles is so much money, it's kind of ridiculous. I mean, they're gonna do, obviously, they'll eventually reprint him, because he's a high chase mythic, and I just don't know how they're gonna do it. Well, they already said next year, uh, if you guys haven't heard, uh, next year they're doing another Double Masters. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, that'll be... They already said Red and Six is going to be one of the cards in it, which she has needed a reprint for God knows how long. She needed it in uh, MH2, but yeah, she, we we definitely need her back. I think uh, Force and Negation are being Doubled Masters. Well, so, that was that was an MH two though, so that's why. I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise it. me though. They kind of reprint yeah. everything to the grave though, so like, I mean. This thing, here's here's some tidbit of advice, oh, not advice, uh, information. Huntmaster of the Fells is more expensive than Tarmogoyf now. <laughs> I, w- I would never guess that. Yeah, just so just to put it in perspective, they reprint stuff into the grave. You know, like I don't mind that. Like, do I own four? Future Sight, Tarmogoyf? Yes. Yes, I do. But do I care if they reprint them a million times? No. No, I do not, because I already own them. I I own them for a reason, and has to play them. Like, I understand, like, one of my best friends buys and sells magic cards. He even said he doesn't care. He goes, it sucks because, you know, you get all this stuff, and then they reprint it, and it's like, well, now I'm taking a hit on it. But, th- you know, he even admits, like, sometimes he sits on cards too long, you know? But it's more about people. More people getting to play the game, you know. If that's why I think like modern is so expensive now to get into. Like you look at these deck prices, it's like Jund is Jund's always the most expensive. But it's like sixteen hundred dollars to play that, and sixteen hundred dollars to play Elementals, and yeah. And I mean, it's crazy because like it's it's a lot of it's like the Renin Sixes and the Bragavans, and it's just okay. Uh. The one card I think needs to be in Doubled Masters at rare needs to be Cavern or Souls. Yeah, Cavern not getting That'd a reprint I thought was so crazy. Yeah. Zap, I'm going to need a third foil, and ooh, that's going to hurt for my Amulet Titan deck. Oh, yeah, because you, yours is foiled out. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I need a third one, and I like the Zendikar Ri- Rising one, and that's the most expensive one. Brent is looking it up as we speak. Oh, I mean, I'm look. I'm looking it up now, but I, I have looked it up a few times. Okay. Like uh, Renin Six, even though it's getting reprinted, 
everyone knows it's getting reprinted in Double Masters next year. Like, what, middle of next year? Yeah, that's what they said. It's $115 for one copy. Yeah, I mean, it's because you need it. Like, that's just the format right now, is, is you just absolutely, like, need these cards. Dude, I have my playset. Am I going to sell them while they're high? No. <laughs> I'm just like, why? I got mine for, like, $15 when they first came out. Yeah, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's just crazy how much they are, like, realistically. Yeah, I mean, as when I was playing Boomer Jund, and they came out with it, and everyone was like, is it going to be good, is it going to be bad, and I just pre-bought them for $15, and then, like, before I knew it, they are like, 50 bucks each, 40 bucks each. I'm like, yeah, okay, we're going to hold on to these. Yeah. I, did buy a, I did buy a foil one for $40. Pretty good buy. Yeah, I mean, I sold it way too early, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, what can you do? I mean, it it did its job. Yeah, as I was gonna say, yeah. You know what's funny? It's right before MH2, I was telling someone at a uh, LGS, like, this is a great time to buy. Maybe, maybe it was a lie in, in hindsight, but Modern was so cheap at the time. Like, a lot of decks were, like, as cheap as 400 and as expensive as 700 then I think your Boomer Jun deck was the one that hit over 1,000 or something. And that was kind of it. It was like a very approachable format, but now it is insane. Like, and it, it like, it, like Cole said, it's basically Ren and Sixes, Force Negations, and Monkey. Like, yeah. look at um, Merktide uh, decks, the Blue-Red Merktide decks. Um a play set of Ragavans is $330. Um, then you got Archmage's Charms for two of... They're like, what? Man, that card went way up in price. They're like $20 each now. That was, that was a rare. rare. Uh, uh, a well yeah. Um, and then Force Negation is $76. Mishra's Bobbles are 50 Oh, I mean, 54 play set. Um, 13, yeah. Yeah, 13. 12, um, 12, 12. I'm going to let you do the math while I say this stuff. But when you look at, like, Spire Bluff Canals and stuff like that, stuff that needs reprints, it's basically the the Force of Negations, the Ragavans. That's, that's your expensive part of the deck. If you took the 300 if you just knocked $300, eh, I wouldn't even say 300 like, at least 200 and something dollars off of Ragavan made him like a $15 card or even a $40 card you know he'd be more pro this deck would be way more approachable not $82 a pop well the other yeah. crazy thing though too is like like it, I, I don't know it, it's just weird about modern right now because like yes they do reprint everything like crazy but they're they're kind of real slow about reprinting the things that that like desperately have needed these reprints for god knows how long you know I mean yeah I know you guys are not a finance um, podcast by any means, you know, and that's not, I don't, not even what we're talking about today, but like the Fetchlands that just came out of Modern Horizons 2, you should just be buying them or trading for them. Or at least have a set. Yeah, at least get your play set or be like me, open 15 packs of Modern Horizons 2 and pull a play set of Scalding Tarns. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. I was like, all right, well, that, that's how we got our copies. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's just because the next ones the next ones they're going to reprint are going to be the cons ones or onslaught ones. They're going to reprint those eventually. They're not, they're, Wizards is not going to let 
this much excitement not get reprinted. They also know that Modern is like the most played format. It's the number one format, the number one non-casual format. They've uh, Gavin Verhey came out and said it um, on Dominary's Judgment. Uh, you know, Dominic Harvey and Ari Lax. They had the ten-year anniversary of Modern, and Gavin Verhey was a guest on there, and he even came out and said, Mo- "Wizards acknowledges that Modern is the number one non-casual format, like non-EDH format." Right. Like yeah. yeah. Commander, we all know Commander is the number one format. Is it, well, it's also just hard to like fight against Commander because like it's it's super easy for somebody to get into Commander versus Modern, you know, as we've been talking about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like I can put, I can go to the store and go buy a like an EDH deck from Walmart or my local game store or anywhere online, Amazon, and it still be all right enough to play with my friends at my local game store or at my kitchen table. And it's so easy to upgrade like lands and just other cards to make it even better for like as low as like. 50 bucks, too. My first EDH deck was a mono-red deck that I went to my local store's commons on commons, bought a Cranko, and just built, like... And just got, like, a bunch of goblins. <laughs> so, and then, I, then I bought a bunch of elementals. Didn't work out well. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the, the, the get-into with Commander is so easy. You know, versus, like, what we were just talking about. I mean, unless you're playing, like... Relentless Rats or Rat Colony. You only need one of each card. Yeah, and I mean, also, you you can set your own standard for, like, okay, well, I don't want to buy heavily. I don't want to play CDH. Like, guys, are we more of a casual field? And if they're like, yeah, then, you know, your your price is set. Like, um, I'm pretty sure you guys saw it today. Um, my hot take on Twitter. <laughs> About, I did, I liked it. I thought it was good. Yeah, I mean, I think Mass Land Destruction is perfectly fine in EDH. Let me play my Armageddon and not get shamed from the table. Like, I'm getting so tired. Like, obviously, sit down, you discuss the rule zero, or you talk about what power levels everyone at. But then, like, you're sitting there and you're like, okay, we're all on a seven or something like that. And they're like, oh, cool, turn five. I'm infinite combo killing everyone. You know, it's like, cool. But I can't destroy everyone's lands on turn four, five, seven, like without getting, you know, shamed. I'm like, I, if you're gonna, if I'm gonna allow everyone to ramp, infinite combo, wheel, every turn with the, uh, I can't remember that Grixis commander, that like whenever your opponents draw cards they take damage. Oh, Nekuzar. Nekuzar. Yep. Um, you know, I I've died to that thing so many times. I'm like, but I can't destroy your lands. <laughs> Like, I played um, Brago, right? Non-stack Brago. Gotta get that out of the way first. And mm-hmm. people, you know, would look at me like, oh, he's gonna lock us all down with Stasis and Winter Orb and Static Orb and Heavy Orb and, you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, I'm actually not a Stacks Brago deck. I am a, I just wanna bleak my Mold Drifters and draw cards and mm-hmm. do fun stuff. You know, I'm gonna bounce some of your things but I'm not taxing anybody. And I played one Armageddon in the deck because I'm like, okay, I like Armageddon. It reminds me of Legacy when I used to play Legacy when that card was playable. Um, and I played it. Holy smokes. Everyone's like, got up in arms. They're like, we would rather you play Stasis. I'm like, what? You know, but I was off topic. Sorry. 
<laughs> uh, I think that was fine. Yeah. I just go on rants about random things. Well, even with like modern decks, I'll bitch about, like Cole and I will bitch about some, certain things. We bitch the most about Mystic Sanctuary being uh, a card in modern more than anyone. Um, um, oh, no, no. And, me, me and Cole had those same conversations. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You. Were, I mean, yeah, we all did. I, I, yeah. Yeah. And I, I'm still like, even though I hated it, I would still play a deck. I play some blue control deck with Mystic Sanctuary because it was like a good deck still. But I, I would often, as I should, I apologize to my opponent for playing this stupid card. Yeah. They, I don't know if there's a fix for that one. Well, I guess not making it fetchable would have made... Yeah, there's your fix. Just not making it good. <laughs> well, just not making it unfetchable. Why did they give him the basic land type? But I don't, I don't know, man. Like, that's... Uh, that conversation's for another <laughs> top yeah. ten or whatever list. Um... God, I hate Mystic Sanctuary. Oh my gosh. Let, 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 let's not... Let's not... I'm sorry to brought it up, but yeah, it's... But that was something that we... Cole and I would, or we'd all bitch about it, but we'd still, I, I mean, I'd still play the card, and we bitched about Arkans Astrolabe too a lot, how that was just annoying, but we still played it, like we couldn't help ourselves. Uh, I never played Astrolabe since I never opened one. Cole remembers this. You know, I do. You literally never oh, yeah. opened one. It was a common card. That got, it's funny. It's like that was. I opened uh, up like two boxes worth of Modern Horizons, never opened a single one. That's so crazy. Like, that's the most mythic common I've ever seen. Like, David finally gave me a playset, and then it got banned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. When we, uh, I, I would play, a, it's not really a game, but I would buy a few packs and, like, hand it to, like, me, you, Cole, you, Roger. We'd open it, and we'd guess who had the best pack, and we'd pull the rare to the front or whatever. And then we'd always, like, pull up the rare and, like, oh, the Astrolabe, too. I, like, this was in the pack, so this is the best pack. <laughs> Like, it counted as power in the pack. It was so funny. Those games were so much fun. They were pretty fun. Play, play them with your friends. Yeah, like, yeah. we, I used to do that in Virginia when I lived out there at my local game store, Comic Kings in Virginia Beach. Um, shameless plug. Um, so we used to uh, we would play this game, and whoever had the highest value in their pack would get the packs, and the loser had to buy the packs. Oh, it's almost similar to the credit card game. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, sort of. Yeah, it's uh, we used to do that. I did not do that very often because I was not very rich at the time. I'm not rich now. What am I talking about? <laughs> I did not have disposable income like I kind of do now since I sell some magic cards here and there to fuel this hobby. Yeah, I will admit a lot of people don't talk about magic to that extent that magic has helped me a lot financially as well yeah like a lot of people don't want to talk about the fact that like the resale value depending on how hard you are into magic can be really helpful like i've been in a lot of situations where just like selling random magic cards has been super beneficial to me i mean yeah like if you own impact trimmers those things sell like hotcakes and i think they're like two dollars each and it's a common yeah. yeah, and also there's just random like times that standard cards are like thirty dollars, and you're just like, oh, I opened a pack at my store, or I played in a tournament. So like, it's just like, go, like I always tell people like, if you need to you know make money, you don't always have to sell your your staples. Like Rhythm of the Wild 
is $5. It's an uncommon from one of the Ravda cassettes. You probably have a bunch of them in your bulk. Um, there's a bunch of just, like, normal commons that are just like, are you serious? Like, um, Pitless Plunderer from Rivals of Ixon is $12. It's an uncommon. Like, people just have those sitting in their bulk. I'm like, and they're over here like, I got to sell off my, you know, Shocklands or something like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, no. No, you don't. Uh, expressive Iteration, $5. Do you know how many I had of those? Had. I had my playset. Now I do not. Uh, I, I do have a playset, but I do not have the 15 I had when I almost went infinite with Japanese pack, uh, boxes. <laughs> uh, um, this is like dumb stuff like that. Another strict saving card. $3, Dragon's Approach, common. Like, just go through, like on MTG Goldfish, you can just go through the cards by set, and you can do it by common, uncommon, rare, mythic, and a lot of times you'll get surprised by these commons that are worth lots of money. Like, not lots, but you know, like $4. You're like, holy crap, I have like 15 of those in my, bo my box right now. Put them online, sell them on Facebook, sell them to your friends. EDH players love those things and they're gonna buy them. Like, I like I told you, like I had um, impact trimmers. I think I sold upwards around twenty of them because I had them for pop or not. It's a three dollar common. Yeah. So like, it's little things like that. Like, if you want to fuel your hobby, if you want to get into your next deck, like, how do you? Th I I didn't just start off with Japanese enchantress. I had it in English. I did, obviously I did not like it in English. It didn't do what it needed to do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, apparently, you got to tilt Brent to make it do what you want. So <laughs> <laughs> that's the difference. Like um, at the Hunter Burton, you know, deck was completely Japanese out. Um, people would kind of get upset because they're like, "I don't know what your cards do." I'm like, "Oh, what one do you not know what it does?" And they'd point at it. I'm like. Give me a second. Is it right if I go through my bag real quick? And like, yeah. I pull out another deck box. I have every single card in my deck. Eat one of each copy in English. And I'd hand it to him like, this is what it does. That That's pretty cool. I'm not there to like try to angle shoot people into misplaying. If you don't know what a card does, and I tell them that. If you don't know what it does, let me know. I won't explain it to you. I will just show you an English version of it. That's how I do with my Yogg Boss, is I'll just pull up the, the Oracle text on it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and they, and as a player, you shouldn't be, feel ashamed to say, hey, I don't know what this card does, and get an Oracle text. Like, it's now legal in the, to get the Companion app and look up the Oracle text. Yeah, it's actually in there, too. Yeah, it's. I think the rules change for that, exactly. Well, also, if you didn't know, Dragon Shield has an app. Um, it's new, and they have an AR scanner, and if the card is in another language, it will put the picture of the English card over your card. Oh, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. So I've shown people that, too, because it's really nifty. The only card it doesn't recognize is my Invasion Japanese Sterling Groves. It just doesn't recognize it. It's like... It's not, just not real. <laughs> it's not real. <laughs> but, I mean, like, the, the 20K, you know, is coming up. You know, on the 6th, I want to say. So it's, what, two, yeah, about a little over two weeks away. I just think it's being Texas, Burn, Tron. There's going to be, 
your Raghavan decks, the different variants of them, Jund, Black Red, which I think Black Red is gone now from the metagame. Um, I, I feel the same way. I don't think it's... I don't see it anymore. Murktide, uh, the Murktide version. Like, I don't know why Goldfish just calls it Murktide Regent. <laughs> the blue-red Murktide deck. Weird. Um, but yeah, the blue-red Murktide deck. Um, Hammer Time will be there. Hammer Time's a deck that's... It's so weird. Like, how is it this good? <laughs> yeah, it, I honestly have to agree though. Like, there's you kind of like look at it on the surface, and you're like, this this card, this deck doesn't seem like it would do stone anything. Like, I is baffling how like consistent it is, and it's not Luris. Like, they hardly ever play their Luris. Yeah. At least against me. Like, that is not something they do. I is I think the whole interaction with Ink Moth Nexus and Colossal Hammer that is dumb. <laughs> giving giving it uh, flying again. Giving it flying again, yeah. yeah. I'm like, oh god, why did Colossal Hammer not just say it loses flying, it cannot gain flying? They've done right. that in so many different ways, but like. I don't know, like, when Hammer Time first came out, that was a deck that everyone wanted banned. But I think it's now... People are realizing how to, quote-unquote, beat it. You know, basically just giving themselves a better matchup against it. But Hammer Time's, like, one of those decks I don't feel like anybody's favorite against. Uh, I could I could definitely... I, I could definitely see that argument, yeah. I, I don't think it's unbeatable, by any means. It's like, if you got your best hand versus their best hand, I think their best hand will always beat everyone else's best hand. That's probably usually true. Because I, was it, they can beat you on turn two with their best hand? Go yes. turn, yeah, turn one, Midnight, uh, Springleaf Drum, Sigarda's Aid, and the, the land they used was um, Ink Mock Nessus, they cast that, and the next turn they no, they can't animate it. No, they can. They can animate it, attack, cast, a play land, cast the hammer, kill you. Yeah, they could also just do uh, Sigarda's 8 on 1 with Ornithopter and have two hammers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we're going the Super Magical Christmas land. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Tell me how, how statistically your turn to play is more often. <laughs> it's happened to me in three leagues in a row, so. <laughs> ah, fair. I just have a really, like, I don't, it's not a bad matchup. It's just not my deck. It's me has a bad matchup against Hammer Time. Like, they always have it all. I'm like, like, my opponent, one of my opponents goes, dude, I've never had these kind of draws ever. I'm like, yeah, man, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> you're, wel you're welcome. It's me. <laughs> it's I, thought I, just, I thought I'd just gift that to you. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's, it's a gift sub. <laughs> it's a gift sub. I like it. That's funny. But, I mean, like, ah, man, the 20K, like, what do I think would win it all at the the 20K? Um, man, it's up in the air. I feel like it's hard to go against Crashing Footfalls. Um, just because, I, again, I think that deck has game against everything. Um, but if I had a bet, I'm going to say... Tron. 
Huh, that's a good, that's an interesting bet. I mean, to be fair, um, the last, the 10k, uh, the deck that won was uh, Grixis Death Shadow. Really? Yeah, it was Kale on Grixis Death Shadow. That's right, it was. Yeah. I, I, but that was the one that like went into like seven in the morning, that like four days later. Yeah, we don't talk about that one, but yeah. <laughs> Definitely did not go to that one. That fell on my wife's birthday, so I was like, nope, <laughs> never gonna <That>, ask. <laughs> that fell on my on call, and I'm really glad it did because I, I already struggle. I already struggle enough with the HBMO and all those rounds, and I'm gonna have to. I know I'm gonna have to do it again if I do well at the 20k. So. I would I would it would be the worst thing in the world if I did, did do well just because I can get some good sleep and good rest. Those those are so brutal to me. Maybe it's maybe with age or something. I don't know. I think I'm older than you. Yeah, you are. But I I'm used to playing long rounds like in Virginia at that game store, uh, Comic Kings. We'd constantly get like sixty people for Friday Night Magic, and it would be like six rounds cut to top eight yeah but the great thing was it was free with price support that's pretty nice like what like the top four when they split would get 12 packs each and 25 dollars store credit that's really cool yeah like the store just gave stuff away because the owner joey he you know it was a comic book store and he made all his money there and it's having 60 people in your store buying drinks snacks and singles all night you're like I, I made my money. <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah, we we we, we did it. <laughs> we we've done done it. Yeah, we done did it. That's great. Man. I just think that's the way. You know, game stores need to go. I think they need to stop this whole mentality of like every night, every tournament needs to be like a win a box or some high stakes thing. And it's like, no man, like your focus should just be getting more people in the store. Not the most competitive in the area. It needs to be, I want to get 30 randos, 40 randos every week. Doesn't matter if, you know, I want the same people. You you, you harvest, you know, not harvest. Uh, you harbor. Harbor's a good one. That, that's harbor. Harbor the uh, community to come to your store and play and just have like a good friendly atmosphere where it's like everyone has a good time. Everyone walks out the door with something. Like, even if they went 0-4, like, hey, man, here's a pack of, like, like, an older standard set or the new standard set or whatever, you know? Like, hey, man, thanks for coming out. Hope to see you next week. You know, do something. Like, it is because when you have nothing but, like, the most competitive there, then everyone's going to play the most competitive decks trying to get that big prize. And, like, you know, I don't think that's what you should be doing for Fridays. And for your local little tournaments, I think you should be trying to get the community area big. I, I definitely can agree with that, too, honestly. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, that's not towards anyone. I've just seen that through a lot of stores on the West Coast, the East Coast, here. You know, they, they do that, and I think that's where it hurts them. Like, I just want to make that clear. That was not intended to anybody. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, I definitely feel that though. Like they're more competitive, the less you're gonna get. Like your, like it's, it's more terrifying to newer players to come in and they're like, yeah, welcome to the Thunderdome. 
I know that was like totally off, off the beaten path. But I was just sitting there thinking because we're talking super competitive, like twenty k and you know going back and forth and all that stuff. But like, also we want to get people who are not competitive because that will help us. It, it actually helps you become a better player when you're teaching newer players how to play their deck better. Like that. Would well, be- well, one thing we we never even talked about, it and I just remembered, Roger, you were you've you've done high end competitive events. I I have I've done I've done a few. <laughs> so Roger, real quick, I know, I know we're getting near the end of the episode, but I definitely want to just you know brag about this. What is the highest level thing you've done, Roger? Uh, pro tour. Yep, our our good brother Roger has been on the pro tour. Yes, my my babies took me to the pro tour. My Eldrazi's. <laughs> I I was a hardcore Eldrazi Tron player, Tron Drazi. Uh, I mean, I can still play it. I think the deck's changed a lot since then, obviously. That was back when Infect had Gitaxian Probe. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I played on a Pro Tour. Um, I actually found out that I qualified for a different Pro Tour back in Onslaught, and I didn't even know I qualified. How do you go about that? How do, how do you, like, find out you qualified? And, like It was back... <laughs> um, Back in the day, obviously, this was like when I was I was competitive, but more or less like competitive in the local area. We had a store called Shotokan, and that's like where if you were a competitive player, that's where you played at. That's where um, I would hang out with my good friend Hunter Hunter Burton. Um, I would hang out with him, a couple other you know people in the area, Matumbo, Ty. Um, Chris Brown, Conley, a lot of these guys in our area, which, you know, some of these people listening to the, your, you guys' podcast aren't going to know. Oh, they'll, they'll probably know Hunter. Um, but if you were a competitive player in the area or just a Magic player, you played there on Sundays. And, well, they there was a PTQ that everyone went to from Shotokan, and it was during Onslaught Block. And I played the Red Green Beast deck. It's weird how I remember all this, but I don't remember. I won it, but I didn't know what it was for. <laughs> <laughs> so I won. I got some prize support because that was back when they would give you prize support too. And I'm like, heck yeah. Never even dawned on me until DCI because, you know, saving your DCI information is key. I didn't save it. One of my friends did. And they're like, hey, do you remember winning this? <laughs> Like, I guess that was a Pro Tour qualifier, huh? Didn't go. <laughs> Pro Tour, I want to say Chicago. <laughs> 2004? I have to look. But yeah. I'm glad it didn't go. I think the Pro Tour was Rochester Draft. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hate Draft. Hence why I did not do good at my, my Pro Tour that I went to. I think draft's pretty fun. Uh, I don't do it very often, but it's it. I think it's pretty fun. One of my f- uh, favorite times, uh, I did a popper draft that a friend of mine had, and that was really really fun. A popper cube, I should say. Popper is amazing, um, but when you draft against your draft pool on uh, day one of the pro tour, and you're like all starstruck, and you go to, if you look at your picture. Oh, let me get it up. I can I can tell you everyone that was at my table. I saved the picture of the match slip. <laughs> you know, like, I mean... Yeah. You, I mean, yeah, like, honestly, though, like, I, I would totally do the same. Okay, so, you know, 
uh, Donald Smith, if you know who that is. They work at uh, Watsy now. Justin Cohen. Yeah, that's Sam Black's testing partner. Uh, Manuel Lenz. Don't know who that is. Uh, this dude named Reed Duke. Um, uh, Pedro Carvalho. I can't pronounce. Sorry for pronunciation. Um, Shupang Wang. And this one dude. Ah, you guys probably don't know who this is. Yuta Takanashi. You know, just world champion. <laughs> I had to play against him. Super nice guy. Him and Reed were amazing. Like, they were just, like, super cool. But, yeah, you're, I, I did not do good. I almost went one and two in my dress pod. No, I went to a good solid 03. <laughs> I, it was, uh, but, you know, like, that's, draft is not my strong suit. More My strong suit's more, like, I guess just hacking the meta. Like, just analyzing what everyone else is going to do, and hopefully I pick it right. And it's usually worked out, like, when I used to play standard a lot, that's usually how I did well in standard. I just analyze how, what the trends are. Modern's a little bit harder, a lot more decks, and you sometimes you have it right, but you run into the one person playing, let me look, glimpse combo, or... You know, skeleton tools. <laughs> you know, or Cole stumbles into Twiddle Storm. Twiddle Storm, or just, or just Storm. Yeah. Yeah, I've I definitely, I've definitely happened. That's happened to me a bunch. Like playing at PTQs. You know, like where you're just like, you're running the tables, you're running hot, and then you get faced off against like black white tokens, and you just lose. You're like, how? How did that happen? And then. You know, your mind's like me back in my earlier days, it would just tilt me off and then I would just start losing from there. But since I've gotten older, it's just like, yeah, whatever, man, you got me. <laughs> we'll get the next one. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's hard to counter little Timmy and his, uh, his casual deck. I mean, I can't really speak. I play Enchantress. So I am that guy now that's just going to go to this 20k and people are like, I'm playing the best version of 80 card Rhino there is. Doomwake sent me the cyborg guy and I'm like, oh, turn four, solitary confinement. Good luck. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, I wasn't ready for this because no one respects Enchantress. Not now. When the format was fresh, people, more people were playing it. More people played. Well, it was food. The food decks, so everyone was playing Fracturing Gust. It's also crazy to think about the food decks, because, like, Asmora used to be, like, when the set was coming out, the card that everyone was like, yeah, you have to, like, like you have to be able to beat Asmora in Modern, and if you can't, like, your deck's bad, and she's not even a playable card in the format. Yeah, what happened there? Like, I saw that one food deck, um, 5-0'd this, uh, in the dump today. Well, yeah, now they're all back to black-green, because, like, I guess 8-7-6 with Vigilance and Trample is pretty good. With who? Aren't they, isn't it Food Oh, Trolking. Yeah, Trolking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But, like, I mean, like, the format is so fast now, like, you play as more against Rhinos, and you're just like, yeah, I lose. Like, the the black-red deck, um, she, she stone did nothing, like, except for go get a cookbook. Like, I don't think I ever activated her. Or, like, at least got the chance to, to make something shoot itself. I played Asmora 
one time in a black white reanimator list that ran the food package never again well i'll admit that as mora getting cookbook is good yeah but that's that's about all she is <laughs> at, at least in the far, like when i was playing black red that was that was pretty much all she did was just can i go get a cookbook and fog i think in the black green version she's way better because of the the obviously getting the cookbook and food you just make so much food in this deck with like trolls. yeah and then you and then you have like the cat combo and you're getting back troll kings and you're just a big dumb deck it, it felt it looks a lot like hogak except not as fast no it looks nothing like hogak <laughs> no that's the exact same i see the exact same thing yeah they just they just uh shaved uh two toughness and one power off of uh hogak <laughs> i'm done with and it. gave it vigilance <laughs> But it's the same thing. You pay zero mana for that. Yeah. Yeah. Easy, sure. Easy. Yeah. It's almost like the same mana cost too. And you can cast it from hand. Oh, you know what else is crazy? Mana. The thing's not even legendary. You can have multiple. Oh man, ban ban uh, feasting troll king. <laughs> Get out of here with Hogak. That was a mistake. Um, I. I remember when they spoiled it. Me and David saw. Hogak, I'm like, oh man, that's a sweet card, man. That could probably go in Dredge. You know, it's like a well, one of, two of, maybe. You know, yeah, like, you were right. And then it's like, good. oh no, we just misevaluated. This card is just busted. I knew from the get go that that card was nuts. I didn't think it was gonna be as nuts as it was. I thought definitely that it was gonna be pretty medium, but I knew um, season Pyromancer was the nuts because that's when you know i was playing mardu pyromancer at the time and i was like and you know boomer john and i'm like huh this just seems like a really good card for both those decks they are only ten dollars it's like do i want to spend ten dollars you know forty dollars for a playset? yeah i guess i'll do it so i bought them and that ended up being very very good <laughs> yeah i definitely undervalued spyro i did not think spyro was going to be a a huge contender. I didn't think it was going to be as big as it is now. Like, what it does. It just shows you, like... Like, I love the Modern Horizon sets. But it also just kind of makes me, like, not like them. Because then, like... Obviously, if we didn't have Modern Horizons 2, I wouldn't be able to play Enchantress. Obviously. Um, but just the way it shook everything up, like... The decks aren't even the same anymore. Like, the like Tron, you you really you could play Tron, but like Tron was a huge part of the meta game before Modern Horizons two, and Boomer Jund, Angulit was way better. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of the decks that just died off. Humans, perfect example. Humans is no longer a playable deck because of Fury. And you know what's funny? Is when MH2 was getting spoiled, I remember talking to Brett, I was like, humans becomes like king of the ring. Yeah. I was like, I was like, do you see all of these humans that they're getting? It's like everything they could have wanted. Yeah, except they, they gave us fury. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, and also just Merc Ty just doesn't care. It's like, all right, cute. I'll just play a, like, 12-12 <laughs> that flies, and then I'll kill your rider. Like, what are you going to do about that? <laughs> Good talk, opponent. Yeah, wasn't that cute? I don't care about your champion. How big can it get? Can it get past six on turn four? 
No? Okay, well, I don't care. Yeah, I, there was a... Unholy Heat is by far, like, the thing that's killed most decks in the format, I feel. Yeah, that, yeah. That is, that you, you're 100% right there, and I think... Like, Spirits took a big hit. Like, now you have to play Bant, because you have to cheat two creatures into play. Um, Amulet Titan, we just talked about it. You know, Brett said he didn't want to see Unholy Heat. Like, if you're just a big creature deck, like, a one-mana deal six, or even Planeswalkers, like, a lot of Planeswalkers took hits. Because you can't just play random dorky planeswalkers in the format. Yeah, look at Liliana the Veil. Yeah, like, she's not even real. Like, Red and Six, at least on the very minimum, is going to get you a land, so he just it just nets you a card. Yeah, like, that is insane that, like, Liliana, not just of the Veil, just Liliana in general. <laughs> like, the Last Hope, Last, you know, of the Veil, any other one that yeah. I will play, not playable. Um... Man, like, there's so many Planeswalkers that were before the times. <laughs> before the times. Well, it, it's... Brent and I talk about it quite a bit, like, trying to remember what the format was before MH2. Like, Through the Breach was a deck that was yeah. one of the oh, King yeah, of the Rings. that was a deck you played a lot of. Yeah, and, like, you could, you could hardly play it now. Just because, like, the format's just so fast. Or really annoying. Because, like, playing through the breach, if you just take a Ragaman hit, like, twice, you're probably losing. Remember, like, Bring to Light uh, for Valky. Or, you kind of Bring to Light decks that were, Mommy, were a little more prevalent. Five-color Niv. Yeah, Niv. And, and, they, and they did try to, like... Th that deck did definitely try to stay around the longest. It's still 5 O's. Yeah, like, you did get a really cool card in General Ferris. That's, that's the reason why, like... They were Yorion decks, and now I think the the Niv, like, Discord and all them, they've just accepted that we're just a 60-card deck now, and you play three, you know, fair, uh, Generals, three Nivs, two Omnas, and just the best stuff that you can play. Like, four Prismatic Endings are in the main deck. Oh, Heliod. He Heliod oh, Heliod. Also. That was the best deck, and... Uh... Now it's just a deck. And Prowess, too. Yeah. And Prowess is nowhere to be seen. Prowess and Heliod were the two decks that everyone wanted answers to. And well, like, Prowess pretty much just got replaced. Yeah, it did. It just yeah. became a tempo deck. Yeah, like, Prowess was, like, a cute deck to compared to what Murktide is. Because, like, Murktide's, like, just better at what you want. Like, I love Stormwing Entity. I think that card's awesome. card is nothing near... Uh, like, uh, like Murktide, yeah. Like, two mana 8-8 eight, eight is much better than two mana 3-3. Three, three. But Square 2. We forgot Square 2. Oh, you're right there. Hold up. I redact my statement. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and then, like, also, like, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit. Like, Mana Morphos? How's that still a card in Modern? Uh, that card doesn't exist in Modern anymore. <laughs> it, it doesn't, but it's still, like, it's like, weird. Street Wraith got shafted by Luris. Taxes was also a deck. Yeah, but Taxes is guys. coming back because they got a new card. Actually, no. Grixis Death Shadow with um, the two mana Shadow. Oh, no, Scourge? No. I like Black Red Shadow. Yeah, Black Red uh, Shadow is gone because of yeah. Solitude. Well, Grixis Death Shadow is a deck, though, because of uh, the, ca the card yeah. that Jacob hates. Yeah, the best card. Um, I'm like looking over like stuff like decks that were like I, i'm just trying to think back like i mean tron's obviously a decent hit on it because you know 
But but Tron even now is kind of like on the up and down. It's like sometimes the format allows you to just do Tron things and be good, and then sometimes the format just says no. You you definitely not a Tron deck. Oh, Urza decks. Oh, Urza, yeah, Urza definitely took a big hit. I, I would argue it wasn't really a deck in the before times for a while. I mean, it's always been a, a niche deck. It became though, but I'll argue that when MHU did come out, it was a deck, and now it's not anymore. Because um, Asmora made it a deck, and then people were like, oh, no, this deck sucks. No, when MH1 came out, obviously, when Urza was printed, it was a huge deck because they had Opal. Well, also, but it was, it, I mean, Urza was also a huge deck because of Oko as well. Yeah. And then also, I mean, like, the thing about Urza, too, was it was, in the beginning of that, it was like, Urza could beat Hogak. Because you could just go, like, all gain infinite life. Or like go infinite. You were you were just another combo deck that Hogak just didn't really have answers to. I mean, they can mill you out. Yeah, but like it's it's both of you are racing to see who does it first. Oh yeah, make infinite guys or gain infinite life. Yeah. So it, it definitely is interesting. I mean, there are decks that have stayed around though through all of this, like Amulet Titan. Yep. You know, yeah. Yogmoth basically did. Yeah, it's a, that's a weird one that it, it just kind of like... I'll stand by it. I definitely still think it was terrible before MH2. Yeah, what did MH2 give it? Grist. That's right. Which, like, gave it the best plan B. The deck set. Like, I don't think the deck could beat your uh, Merktide without him. Like, I, I genuinely... In all of my matchups that I played at the... Sorry? Is it just because he can destroy Merktide? Well, yeah, and also, but, like, he's a creature you can get for free, and then also, uh, it, it makes dudes. It gives you ammo. Yeah. I'm actually really surprised Nif decks don't run, like, one Grist. I mean, I killed my opponent with his ultimate, so, like, a lot of it, opponents don't know what he does. It, it has it has hidden text. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. Oh, Infect was a deck before. Uh, uh Infect was a deck before. What happened to that deck? I, uh, uh, unholy heat plus bolt as eight ofs. <laughs> I mean, like, L uh, lava dart is no longer seen. Yeah, but that lava dart's only good because of prowess. And well, like, yeah. oh, Taylor Swiftbeer, like Soulscar and Taylor don't see play. I mean, besides like the Jeskai prowess decks. But like, those are kind of sad contenders compared to. I mean, you know, burn to a certain extent. It sees play, but it's not like it used to be. No, I mean it, it's crazy. Like as we talk about it, like. All of these decks that either got replaced by something new and better. Like, Heliod didn't get replaced. It's just not a deck anymore. I I don't understand how it's not a deck anymore. Like, I just think, from what I see, Murktai just doesn't care about what you're doing. Like, yeah, Murktai can't be infinite life, but, like, Murktai just can stop you from doing it for the most part. They can hold up a red for the game. And, and Bolt. Yeah, I mean, really, I think Darcy is the more reason that Heliod's not a deck. Yeah. Because, like, Darcy's just the best Delver in the deck. I think, uh, I actually think Darcy is better more often than not than Ragavan. I mean, I, I'll argue the same. I think Darcy's insane. Yeah. Like, a 3-3 three, three flyer that has a static is just always usually going to be better. Yeah, because, like, when you have Delirium, like, you can still get in. Like, it having to attack is not a downside. No, I mean, it, it can be in those niche scenarios, like like we talked about in the last episode, the whole uh, endurance thing. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> the soul-crushing endurance play. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, that's, that's like that one time, though. For the most part, like, you're going to turn her sideways anyways. And you do get at least one turn to block with her, even if she is not summoning sick, because you just turn her on after second main. Yeah. If you're needing to block with a 3-3, that is. Yeah, if you need to block with a 3-3. I don't know, the form, the format sometimes to me, just like, the 3-3 blocker is just not even real. You know what's crazy? I was looking at, like, it's going through a lot of deck lists uh, last week, and... Then I just ran to a string, and then there was just like a string of Yorian decks. That's I feel like just cramming twenty more cards has been maybe a little bit more trending recently. But, but it's also been a thing on. It's also always been a thing on Moto. Like in, in, in paper, it's a lot less. Yeah, that's why I think no one like yeah, Doom like you know crushing it right now online with you know Rhino's twenty card, but. In practice, I don't think people are actually going to do it just because it's a lot harder to shuffle. Your randomization's like a lot worse, especially if you double sleeve. I was just like, I just felt like I still. I'm not even talking about the the rhinos deck, but I just felt like no, there's a, there's a ton, and a lot of them are like ETPs matters. Yeah, like soul, like maybe soul herder style decks, maybe not even with soul herder, or or just like ephemerate decks, I should say. Yeah, even just like this. Like the blue white blink with eighty cards, and you just blink all these value creatures. It just—I mean, I'm looking at a Yorian deck that runs four Quaddle, four Wall of them, and four Omnath. Man, sounds you know, like a good time. Yeah, like I mean, and like you could reset to fairy with Yorian too. Like you know, I don't know. I think I think the format's still pretty healthy though. I, I will say that. I'm gonna put that out there. Modern is super healthy. I just. I've had, I've had people listen to us before, and they're like, oh, you make it seem like Modern's not healthy, and I, I definitely don't think so. I think Modern is incredibly healthy. I just think, though, that if you're going to a big event, it like you should expect there to be these decks, and that's always been the case, but for some reason, now more than ever, a lot more people are arguing about it, and it's kind of weird to me. Because, like, you know, Roger and I, we played the game for a while, there's always, like, you go to a tournament and you're like, all right, Affinity is going to be there. Like, we know this. Like, you know, stuff like that. And even, like, Brent, like, we've gone to tournaments where, like, all right, well, obviously there's you're going to play against Burn and all this. And that's kind of how it is now, but more people are just like, oh, you're going to play against stupid Murktide. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, one of the best decks right now. Like, you're going to play against it. Yeah. Weird. People are going to play the best thing for them to win the money. <laughs> you know like not everyone's gonna do that hence me um but well i mean also like i play yawgmoth but i've also won money playing yawgmoth so like if you i i, I and we've talked about it on the podcast before like play what you know to play yeah that's that really is like the modern way like if you if you show up to a tournament confident as hell in what you're doing you will win more games than you think like, you could honestly be playing, like, a really bad deck, and I guarantee you you'll win more games than you might think you will. Yeah, I mean, I showed up playing a Pestermite, Deceiver Exarch, Kiki-Jiki deck to, like, not a, a big event, but, like, a good size event. And, you know, I almost made top eight with it. Was that deck good? No. No. Good God, no. <laughs> but I, I had been playing it for, 
you know, months, and I just knew the the lines. It's that's what modern is. Modern is about knowing your deck and knowing your opponent's deck better than them, knowing the matchups. Yeah, if you if you know your matchups, you'll win more games than you think. Yeah, it's this is what it comes down to. Like, obviously, play skill. You know, you can't just be a a crappy player. You know, and just make all these mistakes. Like, you just gotta stay focused know how to identify what deck they're on to know how you what cards you need to play around and just basically just lure them into your trap while you're beating them yeah if you're against like murktide and you're like all right like as a yarmouth deck when i'm playing against murktide i'm like all right i can't beat archmage's charm because like them taking young wolf is just really annoying so like i do most of the time play around archmage's charm and it, and it most of the time will win me the game. And, like, also just being patient. You know, like, if they're not pressuring me, I hold up court a lot. So then they're like, okay, well, I can't tap out because then he just wins. You want to know something else that's very interesting with Archmage's Charm? What? You can take an Oint and Ice to get your creature back. <laughs> yep, that happened to me. Funny enough, as we're talking, I'm literally putting the third Grist back in Yawgmoth because I haven't done that yet. Nice. <laughs> so I've noticed a deck that's trending and modern on the up and up and amulet woo no it's a deck that i'm like i wish i wouldn't have saw that was trending because it always traps me and that's dredge i just dude i just don't i just don't understand how dredge could do well in the format right now with how much goes on like i just feel like you just get dunked on yeah by endurance like oh yeah i think endurance is miserable may deck rest in peace with blue white I used to be a almost a buy, and now they have a, such a great. Card. But like, it just keeps five owing, and it just keeps five owing, and like Zodic played it today, and his turn three was like two prize amalgams, a two narcomibas, uh, ox of agonis, and three silver smoke ghouls or something like that on turn three, and I'm like, yeah, every time I play the deck. Yeah, but like the thing, but the thing about that, like Yawgmoth does that too. Like, where it just looks amazing. And then you just have games where you just get absolutely dunked on. So, like, like they're not... I think the two decks have a lot of games, like, decks like that, like Yawgmoth, Dredge, and stuff, have matchups where just your opponent doesn't get to play the game. Yeah. And because they're just F6 the whole time. But I don't know. Paper's always felt different. Because I've played Dredge for a long time. And there are just people that you play against, and you're like, yeah, I just win. And then there are people you play against, and they're like, yeah, turn two, like... Rest in peace, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. We're done here. I mean, I play, and I played modern dredge quite a bit, but I played more legacy dredge. Yeah. And that I feel is so much easier. Like, and we're talking, I played manaless dredge, and. But that was more of a combo deck than what dredge is in modern. Where dredge in modern feels more like a, uh, an aggro deck. It's like a combo aggro deck. It's like, it's trying to combo to become aggro. <laughs> yeah, well, oh. it, it, Sorry, they play otherworldly gaze in Dredge now. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I think the deck's good. I hate you. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry I'm sorry to interrupt. I am so off of that deck, I just clicked off of it. Brent said he liked it. Oh, we're out! <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's the response I like to hear. Click, oh. kick, Roger off. <laughs> no. they, play the, they play the one blue? What do they play that over? Um, that is their one drop, so no Shriekhorn. Yeah, no Shriekhorn. Oh, that's their new Shriekhorn? I guess that's, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. 
Because with it, you can put the keep the lands on top that you need, and it goes one deeper. You know, like there's you, but you get less cards overall. Yeah. With but it, it's not about that. It's about just getting a dredger in the yard, and then after that, no, 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 no. I agree to that. The first like, swing's better. Yeah. The the, the first the first swing is better than the overall. Yeah. Is, is the argument? Keep the lands on top. I've I've done this so many times where I like shriekhorn at at the end of their second main phase and hit the two lands. I was like, I really wish I would have those in my hand right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean shriekhorn is uh it's the gamble card in the whole deck. But it does make sense. Like, all right, keep the throw the dredges away. I need mana source two or mana source three. A sideboard card that I need like the prismatic endings or whatever. I need to keep right. those on top. I'll, I won't dredge this turn because I need this card. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Shriekhorn's just like vomit. Well, Shriekhorn's more for like, I'm I'm trying to turbo this as as fast as possible. Yes. Like, I want as many shots. I want a second amalgam. Or I, I want one more amalgam. Or I want something else. I want to put as well. six cards in my graveyard as efficiently as possible. And for one mana, I mean, that that does that. At instant speed, too. At instant yeah. speed. Speed. So you hold up counter magic. <laughs> so, Brent, I definitely like, you know, I listen to the MTG Rants podcast. Um, Thank you. And I definitely like the fact that during their mailbag, it's always you. <laughs> yeah, another one from our lovely editor, Brent Wagner. Yep, every time. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're not wrong. They're not wrong. I mean, fair enough. That you're their editor? I mean, that's all right. Yeah. yeah. Lovely editor. Guys. (laughs) Guys. I also put one in the mailbag, so that'll probably be in the next week uh, for those who listen to both. I can't help myself, man. That's that's for Patreons, right? Yeah, it's a Patreon perk. What do they do? They just read mail? Uh, Yeah, just questions from the audience. Oh, okay, I see. Interesting. So here's here's one. I'm gonna steal one because I was on the I was listening to another podcast, uh, the dive down, and they said, "What do you think will be the next?" I know it's like banning unbanning is not interesting, but they asked, "What do you think will be the next unbanned Carter, and which one should be the next unbanned?" I, I thought that might be interesting. Oh, that that is actually pretty interesting. Green Sun Zenith. No, stop. Why? I, I don't think they're ever going to let us do Dryad as fast as possible. Like, yes, yes we're in a, a super heavy removal format. I just, I just don't think they're going to let us have it. You, you're, you're... So what, what, what is this? Is this your, you think it will be, or do you think it should be? I think it should be. Okay, well, okay, well, okay. So, them going, someone going turn one, bird, turn one, noble, turn one, ignoble, whatever, is... This to me, I'm like, okay, cool. It can still be killed. If they go turn one, go get a dryad on turn one. I'm like, fine. It's whatever. You know that. The the difference though is that that card that they used to get it. Oh goes no, back it scales up. It scales up. It can only get green creatures, for one. Yeah. You know, I think I'm okay with it. Yeah. No, I, I don't know. I like if we're being re- real though, they're they're not gonna give it to us. Why? What other card could you ever see on the banner restricted list? Like, it would probably be Birthing Bod, honestly. I, I think Bridge from Below is huge 
I no, think that one. They won't give it back. They already said they won't give that one back. They already said they're not going to change the format. <laughs> if if I were to throw mine out there, I think Bridge from Below should be unbanned. If they were to say today that they were unbanning something, I probably would say it'd be Birthing Pod for funsies. But like, there's nothing really on that list that I see that they that Wizards would look at and be like, oh yeah, that's totally fine. The thing that scares me is I think that they are thinking about giving us artifact lands. I don't think, ah, oh man, I don't know. I think Affinity's fine with, I think they've already shown that the ones they gave us are like, here you go. Yeah, like, y'all wanted Artifact Lands, here you go. The ones on the list, I'm looking at the list right now. Um, The, the one that would come off first. Like, the, the your prediction of what will happen next. So, so yeah, so if Wizards said today, like, as of right this minute, they released a tweet that was like, hey, we're unbanning something this Monday. In modern, what what do you think you would want unban, and what do you think they will unban? I want them to unban. It does me no. Well, actually, no. It does me a lot of good. Um, Green Sun Zenith. Okay. Because then I could put it in Enchantress and go get my Enchantresses. I mean, I w- I would want it in Yogmoth. I totally want it in Titan. Yeah, it's like in, uh, that, that's a, yeah, like. But why would you want it in Titan? Because seven mana get a Titan. I mean, I think you play as a two of. I don't think he'd play it as like a. You could also do it for two mana to go get a uh, an arboreal grazer. Yes. Yeah. And just. And that that technically that could ramp if you have an amulet out. Well, that doesn't yeah. ramp, but that's and that's neutral. Um, I think the thing that they would give us is birthing pod. I like I said, I think it would be birthing pod. Uh, uh, I, I also think that too. But like, I also think like I think once upon a time is fine. No. I totally think it's fine. I would I would say no. Also, I've never I never had a problem with that card. I never thought it was that good. So I have my answer also should be or like is safe to is and Cole you'll agree Roger I think you'll disagree is Michael Smith Lattice. I think Lattice I think Lattice is safe. I think but they already kind of confirmed that Lattice was banned because it just it, like it they needed another card to ban is how it felt to me. No, they it. It just made it where Tron could just... Tron already did that! I, I think the argument of Tron having non-games... Well, I think no, the now, more... I, now I all think... the... You gotta look, now we have Urza and Karn together, and they can do the same thing. They were doing the same thing then! I think it's more so... I think it's more so the ramp decks, that, like, the Leyline of Abundance decks, that could do it on, like, turn three. Well, the the issue with it was... And I, I don't know who said it, but it was someone at Wizard said that the fact that Microcentralitis turned your cards in your hand colorless, so you couldn't even force a vigor it, that was the problem with it. You could, I mean, it's asking a lot, but you could float four mana and then force a vigor after resolution. Like, that was a problem. Like, no, that's it, true. Yeah, you just made it where they got to do the thing, and you couldn't. I don't know. In, in that, the times it, that I had played Lattice and Tron, I think the argument of it was banned because of Tron is wrong, because Tron never needed it. I, I think it was banned because of poor play experience. Like, I I, I never... I did it once in GP Austin when I day two'd. Like, in the whole whole tournament weekend, I did it once. What... Okay, here's another question for you. What card are you tired of people always asking to come off the ban list? Splatoon. 
100 yeah. percent. Oh, you don't even finish. I am so <laughs> tired of hearing people. And this might get us less viewers because of this. Stop! Stop it! Stop! So I, I'm. I don't get tired of that one. I just understand why it's banned. It's not banned due to power level. It's banned because it warps all the so, the blue red decks into Splinter Twin decks. The card that I'm tired of hearing people play. This is mostly newer players. No offense, Brent. Um, <laughs> that they wow, get to play with the card. Boy. Is GTA. Oh yeah, I definitely don't. GTA is never gonna get banned, and I and I always tell people like, dude, it, if you've never played with GTA, you you cannot use the argument of like it's just, just it would be fine. Another card I think could come off the ban list, and I think both of you guys are gonna yell at me, and it's fine. I think punishing fire. Um, I think it's fine now. Uh, like I would, if you would have asked me that before MH2, like the format now, I would I would yell at you because I definitely think it makes creature decks bad. But creature decks are already really bad, <laughs> or like in the sense of like tribes. Yeah. Like, cause it, it kills tribes. Like that card literally reads tribes cannot be a playable factor in your game, and and like so you would ask me that like when humans was big and spirits was big and I'm like no you can't do that, and honestly like like what's it gonna do against Merktide? What is it like? It, yeah, I can kill Darcy early, and it can kill Ragavan, but like all upside. Is it is it really is it really that good? So like I don't I don't think they'd ever unban it just because of what it's done, and like maybe they just don't want to. Because like I said, I definitely think Bridge from Below is safe, and I know a lot of people agree with me on that. I do agree with you on that too. But like I don't think they're ever gonna change the format. Yeah, I don't think they're gonna unban Bridge, even though I would want them to, because I like Bridge. I, th I thought Bridgevine was fun, and it was never a good deck. It was just fun. I think the reason why they don't is because it's such a wonky card, and it only works in the graveyard. I also just don't think they, they don't like... Wizards has never liked going back on what they've done, like, to be like they're wrong. Because I, I also they think... They did with Golgari Grave Troll, and they found out that was a mistake. Yeah, and, and that was kind of when after that they were kind of like, okay, we're, we're not going to do that anymore. No. Unless, like, we have, like, actual hard evidence that's going to be fine in the format. Well, no, they went like, back and did it. They unbanned Sword of the Meek, Jason yeah, Sculptor, Breadblade Elf. The, I, I remember playing with Sword of the Meek got unbanned, and, like, people were trying to play it, but we didn't have Urza yet, and it was just, like, a really stupid, bad combo deck. So, Golgari Grave Troll got... It was legal to begin the modern, right? And it got banned after the format. Yeah, if I remember yeah, correctly. Yeah, when um, Cathartic Reunion and all that stuff happened. Well, it, so it, yeah, I think it was banned at the get-go, and and it got unbanned, um, and then Kaladesh came out, because I was playing Dredge when Kaladesh came out, because I saw uh, Shadows gave us Amalgam, and then Kaladesh gave us Cathartic, and I was like, what, this is dumb. Like, this deck is so good. And I, I'll admit, I was playing Dredge when Grave Troll was legal, and it just, it was, felt unfair. Like, for the format then. And it's really interesting, because we've talked about it a little bit. Um, I just want to know how decks, unbanned decks from their time, would compete now. Well, here's my thing. I think Wizards should have done during the pandemic is they should have unbanned every reasonable card in Modern. Obviously, Mental Misstep, Skull Clamp, get the hell out of here. Um, and just ran events on Magic Online, and then redid the ban list after like to find out what really needs to be gone like is because like if you look at the stuff that comes on gets unbanned it stays unbanned you know 
Well, I can't well, so like, the only it, one went well, back. Well, it's just interesting because like Jason Stoneforge to me were the biggest examples of that. Because like Jason Stoneforge were like super busted for their time. Yeah, I don't. And then you look at them now in the format like what modern decks are playing one Jace, and then your Stoneforge decks are are okay. That's why I don't think Green Sun Zenith belongs on that ban list anymore. It's not a fast card. We're... I I could definitely be persuaded. Because if I'm trying to get like an Enchantress, right, like a Sithis, right, or Sanctum Weaver, I have to pay three mana instead of two mana for it. Yes, I get four copies of this, you know, Green Sun Zenith, and I have like a Wish kind of board-ish type thing. But it's like, you're, it's not, it's a sorcery. It's not like Court of Calling. You know, it does shuffle back, but it's just like you are having to play it. You know, you're playing your creature for one mana more and stuff like that. I just like you know, Brent was saying, pay seven mana, go get a prime time. Is that better than Pact of Negation or Pact of uh, Summoner's Pack? I think it's it's it, it it to Brent's argument. I think it's just equal. Like it, it's just more of that card. Because like yeah. to me. Like, I'd play it in Yawgmoth, but would it replace Eldritch Evolution or Court of Calling? Probably not. It would just be an extra, like, card. It'd be copies 9 through 12, or, like, 5 through 8. Of, yeah, because, like, it can't, get, it can't get Yawgmoth. Yeah. So, so like... I, I think I, it's, like, a two of, and you cut, like, maybe, like, one of each of those. I don't know. I, I think it would be interesting to see. I, I still think, because, like, I think post-ban Hogak, when they ban Bridge... I don't think could cut it in the format now. Like, I don't think so either. I don't think it'd be nearly as good as it was. And I would love to see, you know, people come up and do, and, and it honestly kind of looking at it, like I would love to do this sometime is just take like post ban Hogak or post ban or like any band deck when it was banned at its prime. Cause I know like aspiring spike and them, uh, they did Splinter twin. They're like, Hey, we just want to see, I don't remember who he did it with. He did, yep. Oh yeah, and they did Splinter Twin. They're like, I think Splinter Twin should stay banned. I think it'd be a cool idea to build decks. Like we all pick a card and we're like, all right, we want this unbanned, and then build the deck that we would like play that card in. Well, Bridge just... is gonna be Summer Bloom. Yeah. Oh yeah, Bridge gonna be Summer Bloom. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll give it a shot, guys. <laughs> but like, I mean, like reasonable though, like because. Because I I'm more so just I'm more so just for knowledge. I just want to know what Hogak would do in the format if he was legal as of now. Because looting and looting and bridge are banned, and like removal is just so universally good in this format, and grave hate is so good in the format. Like it makes me wonder too. Like if we unbanned Ayavugan but banned Eldrazi Temple. Yeah, I've always wondered that though. I've always been, but like then Etron isn't like a deck. I think I still think it's a deck. I don't think it's as good. Cause now you can't you don't have a turn two play. Unless you have eye out, basically. Like you like you've lose a land that taps for mana to well, get to a land Urborg. that reduces cost. Well yeah, but Urborg, but then you're not playing a Tron land. So like, you know what I mean. Like I think it would make decks like like those weird serum vision or serum powder Eldrazi decks. I think those would be like a lot better. Like, there's just cards on there that I know that just cannot come off. Like, Sensei's Divining Top, I put no. that standard. That card is obnoxious. Um, it also just, and the biggest reason, like, when they talked about banning it off Legacy was just it took so long. It made matches go on forever, because it was like, all right, in response, I'll Sensei's Divining Top. Is is Seizing Song really worth on the ban list now? 
I think storm cards are just always going to stay banned. Yeah, I mean, they yeah. really hate that deck. Well, yeah, and like also like I like Charbelcher doesn't need like Charbelcher to me feels like the storm deck of the format. Yeah. And they already well, have like the mean, best storm you mean spell seismic for them. swans, right? Oh yeah, seismic swans. Yeah, seismic swans is the best storm deck right now. And uh, they already have like the best storm card for them, which is Iron Crag Feet. Yeah. What do you guys feel about Ponder Preordain? I don't. I don't want to see that. Like, I think considers the best cantrip, quote unquote, that we've gotten in a minute. I actually think considers a trap. I think it's fine for the decks that need it. But like, look at Murktide. They don't play. They still play Serum Visions because it's just the better cantrip for them. I mean, the best cantrip for them by miles is Dotscour. Like, easily, hands down, the best uh, cantrip for them. Do you think Cloudpost is still broken? Cloudpost? I don't know. I, I would prefer not to see that in format. Like, I don't know. I, like, I think there's a lot of cards on the ban list, and we can go on for hours, or at least I can, about this, because, like, there are cards on the ban list that were banned out of fear. Like, Nakatl was banned at a point. Well, he was banned... Yeah, he was banned after the first Pro Tour. Yeah, like, we had Nakatl on a ban list. And we had Bitter Blossom too. Yeah, and we had Stoneforge Mystic on a ban list. And Stoneforge Mystic is only like decent. It's actually like a trap now in the format. So like it the format is so overly busted. Like, if you look at all the decks and what they're doing, it's either are you doing the most busted thing your deck can physically do? Or are you good enough to stop what your opponent's doing? Because, like, that, that's kind of how the format feels to me. Like, Elementals is doing a lot of busted things because of Ephemerate. Like, hey, I, I'm cheating by keeping this thing I paid zero mana for. Yeah. Or I'm drawing ten cards. And then you have, like, Murktide, and it's like, all right, I'm just cheating in an 8-8. That flies. And then at the same time, I'm holding up, like, ten removal spells. So, like, a lot of, a lot of the decks in the format are just doing what they the the strongest thing they can physically do because like looking back at like you know when kci was legal that was like the deck that was trying to be the most busted deck it was pretty busted i would love to see that card off that ban list i would not i i'm i like life without it oh i I want it back it was fun but I also like, like we talked about, all my opinions, and you know, people always say it is like my opinions are super, super bad because I love combo decks. I think they're fun. I love big dumb things. I love doing things that are busted. So like, I liked Hogak a lot. Hogak Summer was like my favorite. It was the time that I enjoyed Magic literally the most. Um, and I thought Oko was fine too. We know you did. Oh God. But like. I was also a Tron player, and I also played Oko. Not in Tron, not same deck. Okay, but, you know, I was about I mean. to have a follow-up question. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because, no. like, I also thought Astrolabe, though I hated it, was okay. I thought it was less okay, though, because, like, I thought it was so stupid for your opponent to have three islands and K-Command you. Yeah. 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 I, was like, I was like, okay, that's cool, thanks. Those the two color decks had five color sideboards. But I will admit, we had some. I've never had more good magic than playing Snoltai Control Mirrors. Those were so much fun. They were pretty fun. So like, like uh, yeah, like yeah. I, I don't know, like, but we also had Uro in those decks. Yeah, I mean, uh, we could go yeah. on for hours about this. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's just modern's evolving, and 
unfortunately how the format kind of is though is a lot of the age decks either have to become something new or fall behind and it, it, it kind of sucks to say that because like modern used to be the format of like if you built a deck that could be the deck you play forever and i guess that stands true in the sense like if you're going to your fnm but like at a competitive standpoint though it it really is just a, can you evolve with the times and that's i think that's yeah. where we're at now with it but but going back because we talked about it a little bit it, it you have to be able to be confident in what deck you're playing as well. Because Yarmoth isn't tier 0, and neither is Enchantress, neither is Amulet, but all three of us know the decks that we were playing incredibly well to the point that, like, I know the routes that I'm doing with Yarmoth. I know what I'm supposed to be doing, and then when I play these matchups, I'm, I am benefited by them because I know what I'm doing, I know what I need to be doing, and I beat these these better decks or these top decks because of it. So, lesson for the day: be confident in what you're playing. Well, I think we're. At, I guess. Are you guys ready to call it? I I'm ready. Okay. Just it almost two hours. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you'd yeah. be surprised. Brent and I have done like three hours. Oh, that was an accident when we did the uh, the set review. Or... Oh my god! Yeah, we did set review. We were here for three hours about that set review. Oh well, yeah, I was like, let's talk about Delver of Secrets, and that was my bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll call it there. Thanks, everyone, for checking us out. Thank you, Roger, for joining us. It was a lot of fun to have you on. Oh, thank you guys for having me on. It's been an honor. Yeah, you're quite welcome. It was great to have you. And we'll catch you guys next week. Later. Bye.